1: Hide, Hide your kids. kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts.
0: Complete with breaking news, brash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls.
1: It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast.
0: Oh, yeah. What's up, everybody? It's your favorite guilty pleasure. The Chad and Cheese Podcast As always... I am your co-host, Joel Cheeseman, joined the beavis to my butthead, Mr. Chad Sowash. And today we are giddy because we have a unicorn on the show, everybody. Let's welcome Jonathan Siddharth, CEO and founder of Turing.com. Jonathan, welcome to the Chad and Cheese podcast. Uh, thank you, Joel. Thank you, Chad, for having me. Excited to be here. You sound excited. He he does, yeah. For our listeners that don't know you, Jonathan, let's let's get a Twitter bio on you as a person. What makes Jonathan tick?
2: I love building companies, and I love artificial intelligence and, and machine learning. And I love building products that have machine learning at their core. And I um, sort of cut my teeth in um, using machine learning to build search engines and autonomous cars. And um, it's been great to start companies that have ML at their core. That's one part of me. The other part of me is um, I, love, I love cars. I love Formula One. I'm also a huge productivity nerd. So I literally have an <laughs> app on my phone that uh, lets me track whether I am continuously getting better every day. Like I have a few sort of things that I work on to continuously improve. And one of my goals is to wake up every day a little bit better than I was the day before. And I kind of try to work on myself like that. So in a nutshell, it's entrepreneurship, cars and continuous improvement. (laughs) Just like just like a Gen Z.
1: I mean, you talk about things that are definitely something that's not sustainable, trying to get better every single day. Jonathan, you're allowed to have a bad day. Okay. I don't know if you know this or not. But (laughs) since the pandemic, we've all been able to embrace remote work and being able to have bad days. So this is this is Chad and Cheese letting you know you don't Continuously have to be there.
0: I love his answer. It's much better than Wordle. Walks on the beach and Marvel <laughs> comics. Like it's I lo- the cars thing was awesome. I like that.
1: No, I love the. Let's dig into that real quick. So, how did you get into actual autonomous vehicles? Say that 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 is incredibly exciting, especially when we start seeing them
2: rolling around. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when I was in, um, I mean, my love affair with autonomous cars probably started when I was in middle school, or when I when I saw. Knight Rider. I mean, is that a Did, did you guys see that? <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Hasselhoff. Are you
1: kidding me? That's David
0: Hasselhoff.
2: <laughs> we watched that in primetime. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I saw like reruns of that. It was pretty, I mean, it's obviously an old show even back then, but it combined two of my passions, like machine learning, like building sentient systems and cars. And when I was in college, like in my sophomore year, I started reading up about AI and machine learning, and specifically neural networks. And I published a few papers on teaching a neural network to learn how to drive a car. And um, that was my foray into self driving cars. And it was fun teaching the car how to overtake. And I remember like my first sort of uh, simulation where I, I would give the Learning algorithm, these inputs where you put some obstacles on the road and see how it behaves. Mm-hmm. And it was such sort of a rush to see the car automatically learn how to brake, automatically learn how to overtake. Um, it, it got me excited about machine learning, and that's when I decided I wanted to go to grad school at, at Stanford because Stanford was pretty far along on the self-driving car research area under, um, uh, under a few professors. And when I came to Stanford, like I switched my interests, and I went from cars to search engines. Again, no, no real connection. And, and, and that was that.
1: Sounds a lot like our time at school, Chad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, that my time during Stanford. So how did, in the hell did you find your way to HR, town acquisition, into this space? How did you find your way here? Because autonomous vehicles is a huge leap from where
2: you are today at Turing.com. So the story of Turing.com actually began when I was running my first startup Uh, which was a a machine learning-based search and recommendation engine. And the year was 2012. And I remember the year distinctly because for the first time since starting the company out of school, I thought the company was actually going to fail. And the, the reason was we were growing really fast on the web. We had about 40 million users and we were looking to raise our series A. And every single investor I met on Sand Hill Road in Silicon Valley turned us down, every single one everyone was looking for mobile app traction and we didn't have a mobile app so i had to hire ios engineers really quickly and i remember looking at the time to hire these ios engineers and i was trying to recruit engineers from google facebook apple etc and predictably everybody turned turned me down at the time and it was costly and hard to hire my co-founder Vijay and I decided at the time that if we didn't do something different, the company was going to die. It it, it was controversial at the time, but at the time, the decision that we made was we have to look beyond Silicon Valley for great engineers. If we restrict our our hiring radius to Silicon Valley, we were going to, we were going to die. Right. And I was fortunate to find and work with some incredible engineers in from Ukraine, Poland, Serbia, et cetera. They joined the team. We launched V1 of our iPhone app, which uh, won awards from Apple. It was rated by Apple as one of the best apps for content recommendations. Apple invited us to Cupertino to meet with their team because they loved the app. And that was the hook, that the, the a critical milestone that we needed to raise the Series A, The Series uh, uh, we, we were able to raise the Series A successfully. And the company eventually had a successful acquisition. After selling the company, I took some time off to recharge in 2017. As I was reflecting on, uh, like, what was the learning, biggest learning from my first startup, it was the decision to to go remote, to think beyond beyond Silicon Valley. And when I was looking to start my next company, I decided every company is going to going to need this. Every company is going to going to want to push a button and hire the best people from all over the world, regardless of where they are based. Uh, and that was the that that's kind of how I found my way to for, uh, way to Turing. And I teamed up with my co founder from my first startup, and it's been it's been Guns blazing growth uh, since then. I was curious about the, the genesis of
0: the name. Obviously, I assume Alan Turing was the uh, the inspiration. Is there a connection
2: there or just an affection or just it was a cute name that was available? There is a connection. You're right. Alan Turing is widely regarded as the father of computer science, the father of artificial intelligence. Many people know about the Turing test. Where you can't distinguish a machine from a human uh, from from a, when you're just interacting across an interface. Yep. And with Turing, we use a lot of um, uh, machine learning under the hood to automatically find developers, evaluate developers, and match them to the right opportunities. And for our customers, it's like magic. That is, they push a button and they can spin up their engineering dream team from all over the world. And it's a combination of machine learning and human ingenuity working together where the lines are kind of blurred. Uh, So it felt like an homage a little bit to the Turing test. So that was reason number one. Reason number two was the Turing Award in computer science is the most prestigious award. I mean, it's it's the Oscars of uh, engineering, if you will. And we wanted a brand that was synonymous with excellence in engineering. We wanted, Turing's a place where the world's best engineers come to build their careers. So, so, so that was another, another reason that worked. And the third most important reason, it was a domain name we could afford. Yeah, <laughs> now we're talking, now we're talking. And number three should
0: probably be number one. And now, now for my real questions, to say that there are a lot of solutions for hiring developers is a bit of an understatement to say the least. How do you guys differentiate? How do you cut through the clutter of all the other solutions out there?
2: Yeah, uh, great question. We now live in a remote-first world. Every tech company today is in a race to reap the benefits of remote engineering talent, right? Airbnb went remote. Yesterday, Yelp went remote. Twitter, Square, et cetera, all went remote first. Even traditional companies like Siemens, Ford, et cetera, have gone remote first. And the reasons are obvious. You get to tap into a planetary pool of developers. Uh, You get to tap into previously untapped geographies like Latin America, Africa, Central Europe, Eastern Europe, parts of Asia. In Many many times, it's it's must, much more cost-effective if you cast a wider net to other parts of the US, other parts of the world, and not just, let's say, Silicon Valley or New York. But remote is hard, and it's hard for three big reasons. First, it's very hard to build a large enough global pipeline to find truly great people. Uh, if you're Johnson & Johnson, one of our customers, Um, And if you wanted 50 Golang developers from LATAM, from Brazil, say, then you'd have to build a pipeline of 500 or 5,000 developers to find that 50. And that can be hard for many companies. And second, it can be hard to evaluate the global engineering talent pool. Um, Like, for example, if you looked at an engineer from uh, Sao Paulo, Brazil, you won't see Stanford, Berkeley in their educational background. You're not going to see Google, Facebook, Apple in their work experience. She could be a great engineer. There's just no signal in the resume. So, how do you evaluate all of these people from diverse backgrounds without sucking up all of your engineering teams' interviewing bandwidth? So, that's hard. And third, if you had to ask any engineering manager, what's the hardest thing about working with the remote team? The, I, I guarantee this 80% of the time, they'll say it's communication. Communication is hard because time zones are hard. Often, the right kind of daily communication, weekly communication, performance management doesn't happen. Often, the manager doesn't know if this person's really working. Are they working on the right things? Uh, there is not as much visibility into the work being done. If you're open AI, again, one of our customers, you might care about security. And security, again, uh, can be tough with a global distributed team. So building a global pipeline is hard. Evaluating them is hard. Security is hard. And your question, there are all these other places to hire, like what's the, how are we different? The difference is if you look at like a recruiting company or a typical staffing company, They don't have global reach and they don't really do any vetting of engineers. And most uh, marketplaces, and there are plenty of marketplaces today, they they have more of a gig focus. So they attract people who want to do short-term projects.
0: So Upwork. Yes. Okay.
2: And you you don't find people who want to do long-term engagements. And many marketplaces don't really do vetting for engineers. So to find that one engineer, you might have to interview 30 people or 40 people. And if you look at IT services companies like Accenture, TCS, Wipro, Infosys, et cetera, they don't have Silicon Valley caliber talent and they don't have global reach. So we asked ourselves a simple question, can we solve all of this with software? Like what if we had software that could source engineers from the planet wide pool, software that could evaluate engineers for a Silicon Valley bar, software that could use machine learning to match the right developers to the right jobs, and software that could manage the collaboration after the match. Software, 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 software. This is why we built Turing.
1: These three-part answers are killing me, uh, Jonathan. So wh- what are you? What the hell are you in the first place? I mean, what I'm seeing is almost like this evolution of a job board and staffing company. You did mention staffing and that they don't have the breadth and in, in reach, uh, mainly because they really don't, Leverage technology like Turing is. So what what exactly is your platform? Is it the evolution of staffing or is it the evolution of a job board?
2: It's not staffing. It's not a job board. It's not a marketplace. Turing's a new animal and we call this category Talent Cloud. Uh, It's a distributed team of developers in the cloud that's sourced by software, vetted by software, matched by software and managed by software. We actually don't fit into a box, and which, which drives a lot of investors crazy because they try to figure us out. Like, are you a job board? Are you a staffing company? And we are neither. We are a talent cloud for software engineers. We predict there'll be talent clouds for many different verticals, maybe a talent cloud for lawyers or a talent cloud for podcasters.
1: <laughs> Good luck on that one. No one needs that. So quick question, how do companies pay? Do they pay on the placement? Do they pay on the posting of the job? How does a company actually engage and then, hey, for these wonderful, you know, uh, Turing engineers?
2: They pay by the month for developers they are working with. So the business model is a staffing business model. Okay. So there's a fixed price. For example, if you're typically a, a customer might work with, they might come to us and say, hey, Turing, can you give me five full stack developers, front end React, back end node? And at a tech lead level, they work with the developer for a certain monthly rate. And and that's how that works.
1: To me, again, as I dig into this, I know everybody wants to be their own animal, but Jonathan, I'm going to break it to you here, buddy. (laughs) You are the evolutionary step, which is good. Dude, staffing has been around forever. The beauty about what you guys are doing, it's an evolutionary step. It actually is a hell of a lot easier. It happens faster, right? And you can do something that, actually has more of a broad reach. So as these investors start asking you these things, take a look at some of the EBITDA that some of these huge staffing organizations have and then eh, it's it's actually not a bad uh, not a bad model especially when you superpower it with uh, with technology. Now next question you guys got uh, 153 million in funding, right? That was the, the total?
2: What did you say? Yeah.
1: <laughs> 1.1 <1. laughs> billion valuation. So what are you guys doing with that cash? Are you looking to just get a better Deeper penetration into uh, the U.S. to try to get more jobs from U.S. companies, or are you guys actually looking to expand? And if you
2: are, what countries? Yeah, good question. And most recently, we'd we'd opened up a safe at a four billion valuation cap, which is oversubscribed, uh, which is where the company is today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, I had to I had to correct that. <laughs> uh, yeah, pr-
1: I appreciate
2: that. That's why we have you on. The founder in me like the has to has to do that. <laughs> Always be selling. What are we using the capital for? I would say the primary use of capital is to build an amazing product that can find the world's best developers at scale. There's a lot of software that goes into Turing to automatically vet these developers, automatically match them, automatically manage them through technology. And we are building a self-serve system where we want a a person to be able to hire engineers and build their team without necessarily even speaking with somebody at Turing, right? Like almost Mm -hmm. like AWS, like you spin up servers in the cloud with AWS, you should be able to spin up your engineering team in the cloud. So a lot of the money is spent on product R&D. And other than that, it's to invest in building the world's best place for an engineer to work at. Like we care deeply about great engineers, great engineering. We 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 do a lot of work on L&D, other programs to make sure like engineers feel like Turing's a place where they can grow their career. And we are expanding aggressively. Like we're expanding, like we want to support developers from all over the U.S. as well. Like a developer from uh, Kansas should have access to the same opportunity as a developer from Palo Alto. Will they get paid the same? Uh, they, they won't get paid exactly the same as somebody in, in Palo Alto. It would be based on their, their experience level, their, their tech stack. Um, and we, we do geo-adjust, geo-adjust uh, a little bit.
1: Okay, listener, how can you help your employees become more productive? I have answers. How about automating?
0: <laughs> seriously, though, seriously, TextKernel cuts through the complexities like a tortilla chip through some hot nacho cheese. Oh, my God.
1: Really? Nacho references already. Anyways, TextKernel uh. brings efficiency and productivity to your operations. TextKernel seamlessly unifies your tools and data to drive efficiencies and success. TextKernel is
0: creating new opportunities for your recruitment journey.
1: Get ready to use today's tech to drive efficiencies and productivity. Visit textkernel.com That's T-E-X-T-K-E-R-N-E-L.com. Mm, nachos. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so if they have the same exact, let's say,
2: uh, credentials as the individual in Silicon Valley, do they get paid the same? We do geo adjust, uh, Chad. Honestly, the way it works is we we have a conversation with the developer. We ask them, "Hey, what will it take for you to work on Turing?" And they would quote us a price, right? They would quote us a rate. Hey, here is how much I need to get paid for me to leave my current job and and join Turing. And typically, what they what they come up with is something that's twenty to thirty percent more money than they're currently making. And they get 100% of the money that they that they negotiate with us when they do that. And we charge customers on top of that to cover our costs. You know, it's ne- it's not perfect. Like, for example, I'll give you a specific example. If you are working on um, computer vision algorithms to build machine learning systems on using TensorFlow and you're at an engineering manager level, so much more senior than an IC, you'll get paid a lot more than let's say a front end developer who's uh, who's a vue js uh, developer operating at an ic level so there are
1: Go into it too. Totally get it. The, the, the question is around pay equity. The developer community is a bro community and it is way off with regard to actual pay equity. I'm sure you guys know that. So when you start talking about negotiating their own rates, that automatically sends uh, alarm bells off in my brain saying that more than likely women in the touring platform are getting paid less than men for doing the exact same job.
2: The, uh, to be honest, like we haven't we we don't have data uh, on that right now that would that would support support that that hypothesis for, the way we think about it is we have to make sure that turing is a step up for that developer that we reach compared to the current current opportunities that we have and we're going to do our best to give them that step up if we are not able to give them that step up they won't join us they'll they'll stay at their current jobs and do what they're doing we have to earn their trust to to come to turing And we earn that trust by making sure that they make more money than they're making right now. Their career options are brighter than it is right now. And we invest a ton of time in in resources. Like, for example, we had a Women in Tech week a month back. We had a Pride week a month back. Our whole company is based on the thesis that talent is universal, opportunity is not. And we want to remove all the obstacles that stand in the way from getting people access to the opportunity that their talent deserves. The first obstacle is geography. People who won the Geo Lottery and are here in Silicon Valley, here in, here in New York. There are plenty of other obstacles, and we want to level the playing field for people.
1: Okay, so uh, around that, wouldn't it gain more trust from the community? And this is what we've heard from uh, developers all over the world why they use certain platforms is because of transparency and trust, right? So the trust piece, I, I, I totally feel you, but I feel like they will actually trust you more if there was transparency in the system. So therefore, we could ensure that
2: we actually have e-
1: equity across the board.
2: How would you, uh, and, and this, this is super interesting, and I'm asking you to learn further. If you were building a system like that, like how would you ensure that, uh, that transparency? How would you design it?
1: Aggregate data around actual job titles. Job titles that have the same uh, requirements. And then you would be able to give the community, an idea of what that pay rate would be for that specific type of job. And if you met those requirements, right? We're talking about aggregate data. I'm not trying to find out exactly what Joel's getting paid, but from a transparency standpoint, as we're seeing, I mean, the government is is even starting to tell either whether it's state or, or we're looking at prospectively federal, federally that salaries need to be on jobs, right? So if you can be more transparent and provide that aggregate
2: data, landscape data, don't you think that would provide more of a a push for trust? That's super interesting. And how would you slice that data? Like what columns would you have? Like you would have title and salary. Would you have geography as well? Personally, I think if you're doing the
1: same job as somebody in Silicon Valley, the exact same job, there's no reason why you shouldn't be paid the exact same rate. That's my personal opinion. But when we take a look at first and foremost, gender, then we also take a look at yes regions so that these individuals would understand if they're in Kansas they're probably going to get screwed but but being able to take a look at gender ethnicity uh not to mention also you know all over the world the, the the actual where the developers are at where
2: they're getting paid uh those types of things that's super interesting like definitely something for us to think about like we we probably have access to to some of that data for sure and do you see any other like are there any companies that you, I mean, you, I'm sure you track the space. I'm curious, have you seen any, comp- any other company do this? Well, what we're starting to
1: see is we're starting to see a couple of things with regard to uh, regulation. Uh, whether it's starting at the state level first, right? And, and then we have companies who are actually leading and talking about equity, which we talked about, and then also transparency. So we're starting to see companies doing this and then driving uh, uh, other organizations like, um, I think it's uh, Symbio. Is that is that the one, Joel, where they have, it's actually a pay equity platform? I don't recall Symbio. I believe so. Anyway, yeah, there are plenty, the, within the landscape, this is an issue. Everybody understands it's an issue, especially in the developer community. So to be able to have such a powerful platform like Turing, to be able to help in transparency and equity,
2: uh, I think would be would be one hell of a step forward. Yeah, that's a great idea, Chad. Like, I'll, I'll definitely look into that. And like, one thing that I love about Turing is if you look at I mean, you you spoke a little bit about, you hinted at this a little bit in terms of potential bias in some of these systems. If you look at interviewing today, right? Like interviewing, it's a highly biased, sexist, ageist, in many cases, broken system. It's inconsistent, non-scientific and subject to all sorts of uh, noise, right? Some people have, some some teams have great interviewers. Some people have not so good interviewers. Highly variable and it's sort of a flip of the coin in many cases. So, I mean how many great people do we know who flub interviews right like the there's, there's just so much so many issues with that. One of our goals with Turing is to take that sort of manual subjective bias ridden process and try to have it be something much more objective data driven consistent but through an automated vetting process. And for the longest time like we actually we were we were not even tracking gender like in the early early days where when like one of our customers actually asked us, hey, Turing, like, can you, like, I would really love to hire female developers. Like, can you give me female developers? And we were stuck at the time because we actually couldn't search our database by gender. We weren't even asking for that. We were, we mm-hmm. were just asking people for, hey, if you're a React developer, do this coding challenge. Here are some questions and our system gives you a score like based on all the data that we see. So we are... I I would say there is a long way to go to build a more um, equitable, fair system, and I think as an industry we can do a lot better. And we are still early on, and even Turing can do a lot better. Like the, but we want to take some baby steps towards the future and just make this a little bit more standardized, consistent, and data driven. All right, all right. We may not get to the future if we don't uh, pivot to something else here. Um,
0: you 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 talk a lot about how developers want careers. You've said it in this interview, and, and your website touts it. They want careers and not gigs. Do you have any data to
2: back that up, or is it mostly anecdotal? Uh, we have a ton of data to back that up. Like we do these town halls where we ask people what they want in a in a platform like Turing. If you look at it like a hierarchy of needs. At the base of the pyramid, what people want is more money and greater financial stability. They don't want to be hunting for gigs constantly. A, de- a developer does not want to do marketing. And unfortunately, on many marketplaces, that's kind of what they have to do. They have to keep keep around. They would like some support there. Developers historically also don't love interviewing. So often many developers are stuck in jobs that they don't particularly like because they just don't want to go through the hassle of preparing for a couple of months, interviewing 10 places and joining. So they loved a, a, a system where you get vetted once, and then there is a team that's working with you to help you get matched continuously, so you don't have to worry about worry about that. And one level above is they care about working on interesting products with the la- with the latest tech stacks. If you're a machine learning engineer, you want to be working on TensorFlow, PyTorch, you want to be solving computer vision problems, uh, speech recognition problems, deep use, building deep learning systems, things like that. So they care about the interestingness of the work. That's one level up the pyramid. One more level up the pyramid is they want to work with great people, and we are so fortunate in Silicon Valley, New York, places like that. We 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 are surrounded by great tech companies working with great people. But if if you were born in in you know a, a small town a hundred miles from Buenos Aires, Argentina, there might be two tech companies where you are. And they love that with, with platforms like Turing, they get to work with companies like uh, Johnson & Johnson, Rivian, Coinbase, OpenAI, like all of these, Pepsi, these well-known companies. So they love that they're working with great people who, who again, help, help accelerate their career. And one more level up the pyramid is engineers love getting better at their craft. They want to keep getting better, keep improving. And they like that at that platforms like Turing, we give them access to resources to help improve their soft skills, help improve their communication skills, uh, help improve their interviewing skills, help improve how they talk about themselves in an interview, build a resume. Um, we, we do mentorship like on how you can become from an IC, how can you become a tech lead? How can you become a tech lead manager? And these are all things that engineers at Google, Apple, Facebook, Amazon used to have access to. We are just democratizing it and giving it to everyone in the world.
0: Gotcha. So you mentioned uh, Coinbase. And on a weekly, daily basis, we hear about tech companies uh, like Coinbase, as well as Netflix, Carvana, and a ton of others that are laying off developers. Um, How has that impacted your business?
2: So the short answer is, so far, we haven't seen a huge impact yet. However, we anticipate that there will be an impact over the next six months, 12 months, maybe more. I don't have a crystal ball. Nobody does. I think, I mean, from what I hear is, you know, you see companies everywhere basically focusing their energy on fewer products, fewer projects that are more needle moving for the business. Companies are probably pausing nice to have initiatives and I think during times like this, like... Platforms like Turing will be even more important to help amazing developers find jobs, help people who are displaced find jobs and get back to work. Yeah. So the short answer is we haven't seen an impact yet, uh, although we do. Uh, there, there are some smaller companies that I that I uh, see, some smaller customers we have that have slowed down their hiring. Uh, But we haven't seen a big impact yet, but we expect to see some impact over the next six months.
1: Well, Jonathan, I have to say that seeing what Turing's doing is literally the future of staffing and technology as we know it, finally. So uh, thanks for coming on the show. We appreciate you coming to to answer the hard questions. Now, if
2: somebody wants to find out more about Turing, where would you send them? Uh, Please go to turing.com. Um, and if you're looking to hire front-end, back-end, mobile, AI, data science, DevOps, developers, push a button, get, bring engineers to your team, that would be Turing.com. And you can follow Turing on Twitter at, at Turing.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Sid J-O-N-S-I-D-D. Thank you, Joel. Thank you, Chad, for having me. Both of you are clearly very, very knowledgeable about the industry. And, you know, given, given your experience with job boards like Monster and others back in the day, Uh, No surprises. And thank you for having me here. And it was great speaking with you both.
0: Has a CEO ever said, please go to (laughs) Turing.com? Like, thank you. Oh, man, I can't take it anymore. Jonathan, Chad, another one in the can. We out. We out.
3: Thank you for listening to what's it called? A podcast. The Chad. The Cheese. Brilliant. They talk about recruiting. They talk about technology. But most of all, they talk about nothing. That way, you won't miss an episode. And while you're at it, visit www.chadcheese.com. Just don't expect to find any recipes for grilled cheese. It's so weird. We out. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast, Banking Transform